what I love about mind maps is because I am not a linear thinker. I am very much a, um, kind of like a, I, I can't remember what I called it, but anyway, um, yeah, I'm not a linear thinker. So mind maps work really well for me because I'll get an idea and I'll just write it down. And the other great thing with mind maps too, is it's really easy to change the order of things. So yes. um, if you, if you're, if you decide like, oh, I think this is going to be a chapter and then <clears throat> you decide you want that to be underneath another chapter or combine it with another chapter topic, it's really easy to do that on a mind map. Yes, you just move it and much easier than on a, a traditional outline. You're listening to Entrepreneur Journeys, where I share insights and strategies based on owning and managing businesses while traveling and living on three continents. I also interview business owners about their journey, what they learned along the way and how that can help you with your business growth. For more resources to accelerate your entrepreneur journey, head over to gapologist.com where I share resources, events, community, and more. I'm your host, Joe Matz. Let's get started. Hello, hello. Today I have with us Elequity. She is a ghostwriter, an author, a podcaster, and she helps knowledge-based service providers turn their content into books. Welcome to the show, Eliquity. Thanks, Joe. I'm really happy to be here. Well, it's great to have you on the show, and we have so much to talk about. This is going to be an action-packed, information-packed podcast. Yeah, for sure. No, I, I love talking about how to turn current the current content that you have into a book because it's one of my specialties and something I do often. Okay. And where do you hail from today? Uh, so today I'm in Olympia, Washington. Okay. Beautiful state. Yeah. Oh, yes. If you like green, Washington is a good place to live. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Well, I hope you have some good weather there. We do. Yeah. Summers in the Pacific Northwest are spectacular. It's the winters that are really gray and very rainy. Although the winters make you appreciate the summers more. Oh, yeah, for sure. But it also um, makes me get and go uh, on a beach getaway at least two or three times during the winter so I can get my vitamin D. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Very good. So, Currently, you're an author. You, you do a lot of writing. I know you do a lot of writing for other people and you do a lot of writing for yourself. Was there any indication when you were in high school or near before or after high school that you were going to be a writer? Oh, no. When I ever since I was a little kid, I wanted to get into a science based career, like either being an astronaut or a chemist or um, the other thing I was considering to in college was being a, a geneticist. And I ended up when I graduated college going into teaching because I had two little kids and I when I ran the numbers I figured it was uh more actually even though I was making less money overall teaching um if I had jumped into a different career I was actually going to have more time with my children so I ended up in teaching. Okay. And I was teaching I was teaching science and coding so I was teaching the subjects that I wanted to uh jump into as a career. Okay, well, that that kind of makes sense. I understand having kids. I've got kids myself, and you know, spending time with them is when they were younger was one of the greatest things. Oh yeah, yeah, because my youngest is twenty three now, so okay, <laughs> and she has a full time boyfriend, so I don't get to spend as much time with her for sure. <laughs> yeah, my youngest is now thirty one. Oh wow! Yeah, <laughs> still, still great kids, and I still love spending time years. with them. <laughs> 
So you got into teaching. How did that, in the sciences, so how did that lead into writing? Um, so it kind of backwards, but um, I had been teaching for 10 years and I was getting really burned down on teaching because it's it's a very stressful job. Um, and, you know, <clears throat> and I, it was literally right before the pandemic. And um, I was thinking like, you know, I need to get into a new career um, because the other thing was besides the fact that I was getting really burned out, the only way to move up in teaching was to become an administration. And then you have all the stress of dealing with the, what we would call on teaching the frequent flyers. So the kids who were, you know, like, you know, always in detention and stuff like that. And that's not what I wanted to do. And so um, I decided to jump careers from teaching um, into travel writing, which was went really well until 2020. <laughs> yes. OK. And did you jump right away or was it a side gig for you for a while? Yeah, so it was a side gig for about three months, and then I just I made the transition over. So um, I had saved up enough money to support myself for a few months while I was um, doing writing full time when I started off. Okay, and when you started, um, how did you get your clients? So mainly, primarily through networking. So I was a member of a group called BNI, and so that was where most of my clients came from at that point. Um, and then, um, I, you know, I, I spread out to do other different networking groups, but mostly networking, going to podcasting conferences, networking there, um, and, you know, just getting referrals from current clients as well. Okay. And for those of you who don't know BNI, that's Business Network International. They have local chapters all over the world at this point. Great organization. Really is a great organization. Yeah, it's especially good if you're a B2C. If you're a B2C, it's really, really great. I found that being a B2B, you can still get referrals, but you get you definitely get more B2C. But I was also in um, the, uh, several leadership positions, um, but it is a great way to learn how to market yourself as well. Yes, yes, it is. Yeah, so that's how you got your first clients. Now, were, were your first clients, were, were you coaching them on writing or were you ghostwriting for them? No, so my first clients, when I first got into writing, I was doing um, travel writing. And so um, I used to live in Park City, uh, Utah, which is a big ski, uh, it's a little ski town, but it's big into skiing and tourism. Yes. And so most of my clients I was writing for at that point were uh, in the travel industry, either tra uh, travel podcasters or in the travel industry locally in Park City. So I was writing a lot for them. And then, um, uh, Oh, before before that, I was doing some some content marketing, but mostly travel writing. And then when the pandemic hit, I switched over from travel writing into specifically content marketing. And then from there, I refocused specifically on ghostwriting because I started doing ghostwriting and found out that I like that. Uh, that was my favorite my favorite niche for sure in writing. So you were travel writing for folks in Park City. Were you writing about your own travels or writing about their travels? No, so I was so I was writing for a, a local travel um, um, eight, um, organization that promoted like parks, like events in Park City, and then I also was writing for several different travel podcasters, and so that was my main my main travel writing. And then I was also writing for some magazines, um, some different articles like for local magazines and things like that. And so I was doing a little bit of a mix of stuff, but my main focus at that time was travel writing. Okay. Okay, that's so just to get an idea of where you were focusing and how you got your clients. So thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. Now, I know one of the things that you do that you're focused on now with your ghostwriting is helping people turn their content 
into books. Yes. Yeah. Now, that's exciting because a lot of people have a lot of content out there. How do you do how do you do that? I know that that's maybe too broad of a question, but how do you know someone has the right content to turn it into a book? So so basically, when I talk to creatives and podcasters and people who have a lot of content and they're at the point in their on their platform where they want to really level up and be seen as, you know, be be more distinguished with publishing a book, um, basically, I will, you know, have a, a discovery call with them, talk to them about like what type of content they have. Um, and clearly their content they have needs to be the same topic as their book because, and usually it is because they want to promote their platform that they currently have with all the content they currently have. And so basically just talking to them and seeing what type of content they have, like when they want their book published, um, how involved they want to be. And then um, if they want book coaching in with the ghostwriting, because I do just ghostwriting where if people just want to send me their work and just write it out, or if they want book coaching with it, which 99% of my clients do, I offer that as well. So I offer two different things depending on what my client needs. So you'll write the book for them based on their content or help them write their book based on their content? Both, yeah. Is, is so that right? Depending on what they want, yeah. yeah. So some people... It's very rarely I'll get a client who says like, here's my book, I know what I want. And they either just need me to write, like take that content and rewrite it into a book, or they just need some book editing. Like I had a recent client who wrote a book on networking and he just needed me to edit his book. And so we had a lot of really great content. He just needed me to go through it and do some like line editing and grammar editing and things like that. So I also do editing for people. So if they have a book and they just need an another, an editor, to go through and professionally edit it for them. That's another service that I offer as well. Um, but yeah, taking content you already have and putting it, making it into a book is relatively, I will say relatively easy. I won't say, I won't say easy because it is a lot of work, but if you already have content, um, you can, you can, you'll, you can have a lot of those chapters already written. And then that of course depends on how niche you want your topic to be. If it's, if it's really niche, and more niche than the content you already put out, you might have to fill in some more chapters. Um, but the one thing I always tell people is no matter how much content you have, you will usually have to write some of the chapters still like original copy. So it's usually not like a plug and play where you can just take your blogs and then post them, make them into a book. Um, and the other thing a lot of people don't realize too, is that like when you're writing for a blog, it's going to be a little bit different than if you're writing in your book. So it's a little bit of a different style and a different voice. Um, and so you need to take that into consideration as well. So if you have a lot of blogs, you can make them into a book, but you can, just copying and pasting them in the writer's um, realm is known as a blog book and they don't flow very well. So you have to take all those things into consideration too if you already have content and you want to make it into a book. I imagine there's a lot of organization. I, like I'm picturing a thousand sticky notes on my white wall back there and trying to organize that into, into something that flows. Yes. Yeah. So what I always do with all my clients and I recommend people doing this if they, you know, don't, if they have a book they want to write um, is you have to do, you have to write your book backward design. So you can't just take your information and copy and paste it, like I said before. So you want to figure out like what your topic is for your book. You don't need to know your title, but you need to know your topic and the purpose of your book and who you're going to be writing your book for. 
And then once you have that, um, that's your basically your middle circle. And, and we, I de helped them develop what's called a mind map. And basically what a mind map is, is like, like old school, you and I, when we went to school, we had the linear outline, right? Like the Roman numeral one and then capital A and then number one and then little letter A. So a mind map is basically like a linear outline, except you have a lot more freedom with it and it's a lot more flexible because you can add to any section at any time. Whereas with a linear outline, you would have to go back in and fit it in in a little spot. But with a mind map, you have your central idea and then you put, which is your topic of your book, and then you put little spokes around it like a wheel, like an old old fashioned wagon wheel. And then all of those spokes, you put another circle on. And those first ring of circles are gonna be your chapters that you're gonna write on your book. And then you make spokes out from those chapter circles and then you make more spokes and then those are the information that's going to be in your chapter. And then you just keep doing that and building out on it. I've also seen people do it with sticky notes, Joe, where they take like different colored sticky notes for different chapters and put them on their wall. Um, I've done it on a whiteboard with magnets, like dry erase magnets. Okay. Like there's lots of different ways you can make your mind map. You can make them online. But that is step one is you need to organize your information because without that organization, um, <clears throat> your book is not is is not going to make sense very well, or it's going to be really choppy. So you need to know a basic outline of what you're going to do. So then you can figure out what content you have and what content is going to fit into which chapters. And then from there, you can figure out what chapters you're going to need to write original copy for. And where it fits. And, and I love the mind map. I've used mind maps for years. I And I, currently I use mind map. It's called mind map. Oh, yep. That it's a free thing online. I think it's through Google or they're associated with Google Drive or something like that. But MindMup is, is great because you can add to it, as you said. If you get an idea, you can put it in there. And then on those spokes or those concentric wheels and bubbles, they, they look like almost like bubbles going out. You can add it wherever it fits. And yes. you, don't, you don't have to know where it fits when it pops into your brain. Right. Yeah. And that's what I love about mind maps is because I am not a linear thinker. I am very much um, kind of like a, I, I can't remember what I called it, but anyway, um, yeah, I'm not a linear thinker. So mind maps work really well for me because I'll get an idea and I'll just write it down. And the other great thing with mind maps too, is it's really easy to change the order of things. So yes. um, if you, if you're, if you decide like, oh, I think this is going to be a chapter and then <clears throat> you decide you want that to be underneath another chapter or combine it with another chapter topic, it's really easy to do that on a mind map. Yes, you just move it and much easier than on a, a traditional outline with the letter one, a small letter one, small a. Yeah, that's that gets I remember messy. in grade school, like trying to fit in in between like, lines. <laughs> thing. Doesn't work as well, but a mind map, it works really well. Right? Yeah. Efficient. Yes, it does. And now, so we've jumped into a section I wanted to cover with you, and that was the five steps you talked about that that we that writers need to consider when writing their book. And the first is organizing your content. Yes. Right. What's the second? So once you have organized what you want to write about on your mind map, the second one is finding that content to see what you have that actually fits in those chapters. And one of the things I tell people is don't try to force fit content into chapters because it doesn't work. You are much better off writing that content um, from original copy than trying to force fit something into a chapter. Because if somebody reads a chapter title, they're going to expect that type of content in that chapter. And if you're trying to shortcut it, that it's just not going to be a good book. So that's the next step in it is just writing those chapters that you don't have the content for 
Um, one of my recent clients, actually what she did, which was a, a great idea, is the chapter she didn't have content for, she actually made podcast episodes on those chapters. So she did two, you know, killed it, did the repurposing thing, killed two birds with one stone and knew what chapter she needed content for and made is making on um, podcast episodes on those chapters. So then she could just take it, transcribe it, give it to me, and then I'm writing that chapter for her. Yeah, that sounds like a, a shortcut way to to get that content out there. Yeah, I'm all about repurposing. <laughs> yes, that's, that's great. Yeah, I did a course on podcast guesting and I I had different PDFs and different writing material for each topic in the course. I ended up having about 120 pages of information. That's basically a book, right? It's basically oh, a book yeah. right there. Oh yeah. So, so on Amazon, a technically a book is considered 2,500 words. So you could, it's which is basically like a super long blog post. So if you write 2,500 words and format it, you can publish it as a book on Amazon. 2,500 words doesn't sound like a whole lot of words. It, it isn't. It's basically like a really long blog post. And I personally yeah. would not publish a 2,500 word book just because it just seems too little. Unless the only thing I would, only reason I would do that is if I did like a very small book, book series on Amazon. Um, and now they have the option where you can put books out in a serial order. And so you can write books and then schedule them to come out at a certain time. So if you were to do like little book snippets like that, that would be something I would probably write the 2,500 words per book for. Okay. I haven't seen that. That's an interesting concept. But, you know, my calculation is 400 words per page. Now, it depends yeah, on the so size of the book and, and all of that. But the, the I guess that's a paperback book size. Would you, am I, am I in the ballpark? Well, you can make your paperback any size you want. Like there's, I think the largest size you can make it on Amazon is like eight by 10 or I, I'm not sure, but I know you can do an eight by 10. So, and you can do it in paperback or hardback. So there's lots of different options as far as like how big you want to make your book. Um, I, it just, and it just depends on what, you know, who your audience is, what, who you want to appeal to. Like if you want to make a coffee table book, you definitely don't want to make a four by six. You want to make something bigger. Something bigger. Um, but any, a lot of people usually use like a four by six or a five by seven guide, especially if it's something you want to be easily consumable. You don't want to make like this big eight by 10 book. Yeah. Because that does not deliver the message of easily consumable. <laughs> right. Yeah. When I say 400 words for page, what I'm thinking of is the mass market uh, fiction or business books that, that you would see. Yeah. Four to 500 words per page is pretty typical. Yeah. So when we're talking five, 2,500 is just about six or seven pages. Wow. Yeah, that's super short. That is super short. I, I'm I'm going to look into that. And, <laughs> you know, tonight I'm eating pizza. I might have a beer, and um, that's kind of when I do that off the off the wall research thing. <laughs> yeah, it's and not so serious you research. Have a beer, and then actually write your 2,500 word book in like two hours. <laughs> <laughs> that might take a couple of beers. <laughs> Would you like to get in front of more of your ideal clients and at the same time, build your brand and create evergreen content? Well, you can do that with podcast guesting. This very moment, you're listening to a podcast that may have been published today or three weeks ago or three years ago. In a very real sense, you're engaging with the speakers, hopefully enjoying yourself and learning something new at the same time. And you're getting to know the guests and how they help their clients, their customers, and the problems that they solve. 
You may even be their ideal client and want to learn more about them and download one of their free resources you can find in the show notes or maybe even become a client of theirs. See, when you're a guest on a podcast, you will enjoy that same kind of engagement. It is perhaps the easiest, most cost-effective way to get in front of new audiences. Learn how you can be a guest on the right podcast and engage with your ideal clients with the free resources available at gapologist.com. You talk about a consistent writing process. And, mm-hmm. and we're so busy today, especially if you have young children and, and so much going on. And you got a house you have to run, you've got cleaning, you've got things happening, we have a yard we have to take care of, we've got two dogs. You know, and some people have even more going on than we do. How do you how do you have a consistent writing practice and get everything else done? Yeah, so what I recommend to my my because I have kids, but I did not have when my kids were little, I wasn't writing. So, but what I recommend to people um, who do have young children, um, which is what a lot of my clients have done, is either write before they get up in the morning, where you have quiet time, or after they go to bed at night, depending on you know if you can mm-hmm. if you can do that. Um, and a lot of times I remember as a mom, like, oh my gosh, after I put them to bed at night, I was like, I'm ready to go to sleep because I was exhausted. So a lot of times people do it in the morning. Uh, another one of my clients, what she does is she has to wait for about 45 minutes in line for her kids to pick them up every day from school. So she audio records her book on her phone. Like she has all her chapters written out. She audio records her book on her phone and then throws it in a transcription service so that that's her time she uses because she's not distracted by anything. She's sitting in the car. She's by herself. It's quiet. Quiet, so it's really easy for her to focus because she doesn't have anything else going on. Um, and so she just has her chapters written out on her phone and then she just takes her phone and records it and then transcribes it. So you need to find a time of day, like maybe it's your kid's nap time where you have like some quiet time that you know of that's consistent every day. And even if it's a half an hour or 10 minutes to take that time to write, it doesn't have to be like two or three hours. It can be 15 minutes. It can be a half an hour. It can be an hour. Yeah, I think everyone has to find their organization and their time. I use a schedule. I've had an online schedule since the mid 80s. And what I do is I block out time. I use I call it Mm -hmm. time boxing. So I will box the time. And when I need to work on something, that's a time I turn off the phone. I put my phone on do not disturb. I close. Now, I did learn this recently and it surprised me because I'm an adult. I've had my own business for over 30 years. I can run my time. I don't have to look at Facebook. I don't have to look at LinkedIn. But if those windows are open on my computer, I will jump back to them. And so I just figured this out like two months ago. Sometimes I'm a slow learner, perhaps. I close the windows. I don't have it open on my computer. I don't have it open on my phone. (laughs) It works the same way for food. I heard somebody say, and it's a really good phrase, set yourself up for success, right? Like if you don't, if you are looking to lose weight or eat healthier, right? You don't want a bunch of sugary foods in your cabinet because if you do, you're not setting yourself up for success because those are the ones you're going to go for. It's the same thing with your work schedule, right? Like, like you said, like if I have, you know, Facebook or something open, I know I'm going to jump into that and go down that rabbit hole. And I actually accidentally did that today because I went on Facebook to check a 
message I know somebody was sending me. And then, you know, I, and then like 20 minutes later, I'm like, wait a minute, what was I originally here for? Yeah. Because that's what social media is designed to do. And that's one of the reasons why I don't get on it very often because it's so easy to go down that rabbit hole. So yeah, I only have my work tabs open and I have a Mac, um, MacBook Pro. So my one tap, my one screen, my Firefox screen, I know is my writing business. My Chrome screen, I know is my podcasting. And then I have my Safari for other things. And so I have it organized in that way so that I know there's certain windows I have open on certain screens, um, depending on what I'm working on, which really helps me stay focused because yeah, I'm definitely an ADHD person. And um, if I have more than like four or five tabs open, unless I'm writing, like right now I'm writing um, my client, one of my clients blogs for August. So he's got four blogs for August. I have all four of them open. So that's different because I go through them. I write them all and then I take them all and grammar check them. But as far as applications go, I try to keep it to like four, maybe five. Right. So that I don't get super distracted. Yes. And I, I use the virtual screens. So I use a Windows machine and I've got virtual screens and it's almost like having a different desk. So yes. I'll have my desk for the podcasting and the show notes, and then I'll have my desk for my course that I'm working on. Um, yeah, so I can switch between them pretty easily. And I try not to because I need to focus on something yes. for an extended amount of time. 15 minutes I, I can do, but that's like getting an idea that I'm going to look at later. Right. Yeah, like I try, like when I have only 15 minutes or half an hour to do something, one of the things I do is I have like electronic sticky notes on my first screen of my Mac, uh, my MacBook Pro. And I have like, what I'm going to do today. So I prioritize things. And so I'll go on there and look at that list and be like, okay, what can I, what on this list can I do in 15 minutes or 30 minutes? And the hardest thing with blocking out time is I do that too. Like I had, I did, a, uh, had content the past two days. I had content, uh, I had content days. And so I literally... Um, went through, I'm writing a book on small business SEO right now. And I literally went through all 10 chapters and did my second edit in two days. And it was 29,000 words, but I couldn't have done that if I didn't block off the time. And the hardest thing to do is protect that time yes. because there's so many things that can come in and, you know, mess it up or take a piece of it here, take a piece of it there. So you really have to be vigilant about protecting your time because if you don't, it just flies out the window. Yes. If you've ever been working at your desk and you look at the clock and it's noon and it's lunchtime and you ask, what did I do today? You were down the rabbit hole. <laughs> yes. Yes. If you can't name at least two things you've done by lunchtime, then yes, you were definitely down the rabbit hole or you're on vacation. Well, right. <laughs> Well, I love the idea of writing a list and I, I've been a, a big list writer for a long time because then I don't have to think about it. If I have 15 minutes or I have a half hour where I'm feeling productive, what am I going to do? I go to my list and I can see those quick hit items. Yeah. It also, I love doing lists too, because like if you have it in your head and you're constantly thinking about it, that causes stress. You're like, oh, I have to do this. I have to. But if you put it on a list where you can easily see it, then you're like, oh, okay, you're not thinking about it. You still have to do it, but it's not causing that like current stress of I have to do X, Y, Z because you have it on your list. So, you know, you can just go and check it off when you, when you have that time. Right. Yes. And I, you know, the quick hit list is good, but then I've got the long project list that I use my mm -hmm. time boxing for. Yes. When I need a couple hours to work on it and get, get heavily, intensely into it. 
Exactly. Yeah. I literally, I have my one list is my content marketing. Like what am I going to do? And it's usually like posting my YouTube videos or creating video content, sending out, you know, um, producing and scheduling emails, all that stuff. Yeah. And so I have my specific content marketing list as well. When I have content marketing days or creating cre content creation days. You sound like you've found an organization system that works for you. Oh yeah. Organization is definitely one of my strong suits. Thank goodness. Because if it wasn't <laughs> like, I always tell people like, if you want to be a writer, you need to be organized. If you're not organized, don't get into writing because you are going to be so stressed and anxious and it, you're not going to, you're not going to like it. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's a qualifier question and, and right there, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if you're not organized and you want to be a writer and you want to learn organizational skills, then, then I would say get into the habit, learn the organizational skills first, and then jump into writing. Because if you're not organized and you're a writer, you're going to miss deadlines. You're going to have unhappy clients. Um, yeah, it's just going to be a dumpster fire, yes. <laughs> basically. Yeah. And I, I think it's the same if you're writing your own book. If you're not mm -hmm. organized and don't separate out some time and, and work on it, you're not going to get it done. No. And one of the things I love, actually, it's funny, one of the things the best places for me to write a book is when I'm on a cruise and I have a sea day because I don't like, I don't have to make dinner. I don't have to make lunch. I don't have to like even make my bed because it's a cruise. I literally just sit by the pool all day and just write. Um, and the, the one cruise I did in November, we had uh, several sea days and I literally sat by the pool and wrote the second edition of one of my books. So like for during the week. And it was funny because my mater D would walk by every day, Michael, and he's like, oh, he's like, what? He's like, what are you doing today? I'm like, I got finished another three chapters in my book. <laughs> so yeah, so like even just like going somewhere, even if it's like a hotel room, there's actually a really great place that I just found out about. It's called the Writer's Colony, and it's literally a place you can go if you're a writer to just sit down and get some quiet writing time. And so that's one of the things I'm planning on trying out in the next year or two. Wow, it sounds like a spa for writers. Basically, yeah, and it's in this, I think it's, I can't remember if it's in Arkansas, it's somewhere in the Midwest, I think it's Arkansas, um, near Eureka Springs, but anyway, yeah, it's like a beautiful gardens, so there's lots of really nice, quiet places to work, and then they do like a common dinner time, so you can get together with other writers and talk about your stuff, and it's, it seems like it's really cool, and I haven't gone to it yet, I have a writer friend that's gone several times, and she loves it, so I definitely, that's one of the things on my hit list um, for my writing is to spend a few days at the writer's colony. Yeah, I love the community aspect of that because when you meet to, together for dinner, you're talking with other writers. I'm sure some of them have questions, some of them have blocks and, and just talking about what they're writing about brings ideas into the head, right? Right. You're, you're in there, you're, you're focused and you've got all that energy of the other writers around. I love that idea, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I just found out about it like three months ago. So I'm, I'm super excited to try it out. It's, it sounds really fun because one of, one of my things is um, because I have multiple disabilities, there's some days where I plan things and I just, I can't get them done. And so um, for me, just like going somewhere or like just, you know, taking a couple days off from my regular client work and doing my own work is the easiest way I get my writing done. Yeah. And, and I know a lot of people who do that. My mother, for example, she will book a hotel and the hotel might be five miles from her house or 50 mm -hmm. miles. And she'll go there for a few days and she'll work on her book or her project, whatever she has going on. And she loves it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a really great way to just get away from everything. And that way you don't have the distractions of like regular daily life to stop you. <laughs> 
I think the key word here is focus. Mm-hmm. You've got to focus. And sometimes getting out of the day-to-day daily activities allows you to focus. Like, yes. Even when I have vacation days and my wife has a vacation day and we stay home, we end up doing things. There's a lot There's a lot to having a house, as anyone who has a house knows. But if we go camping, we don't do any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we go to a hotel or we go travel. We don't do any of that stuff at home. But if we're at home, even though it's a vacation day, we end up getting busy with the home stuff yes. and sometimes even the work stuff. Um, yeah, so getting away is a great idea. Yeah. Love it. What projects and interesting things do you have going on right now? So I just finished editing my one client's book on networking. Um, I am currently uh, working on uh, the third the third um, edit of my my book. The, the it's going to be a, a, a small business for SE, a small business SEO book. I'm not sure of the title yet. I'm working on it, um, and then I'm writing one of my clients has a book um, about sexual trauma, which I'm helping her write. And then I have another client who's doing one on um, investing in real estate, which I'm helping her write. And then I have another client that is um, doing a book on mental health and wellness that I'm helping her write. And then I've got like some other just like regular client projects. I do like blogs, newsletters. Uh, I'm ha- having another client that I'm helping her write their website content and do their email drip campaign. So I've got a variety of stuff going on, but most of it's ghostwriting. Most of it's ghostwriting. And I, it sounds like you work with a number of various topics. Yeah, I do. I do only nonfiction right now. I don't do ghostwriting with fiction just because I don't have the experience or knowledge base for that. That's definitely something like a like a five year goal for me. But um, I love writing nonfiction like and pretty much anything nonfiction. But I have um, more experience in doing like finance, anything health and wellness science. Um, I also do education, which I don't get a lot of jobs for because usually um, education companies just don't have the money to outsource uh, writing. But um, education, um, pretty much anything uh, that involves nonfiction, I will write about. Okay. And you've got two podcasts going on that you host also, right? Yes, I have two. So my first podcast I created almost six years ago now is Travel Gluten-Free because I'm celiac. So I teach people like how to travel gluten-free, like how to pack for a trip, how to, um, you know, how to cruise, how to camp, like whatever it is, like I teach the how to. And that's what I do on my Travel Gluten-Free podcast. I also have some guests on that have like amazing gluten-free products and different services that complement people who have like digestive issues, celiac disease, um, and other podcasters who also have gluten-free podcasts. And then um, I also have uh, another podcast called Your Writing Coach. So I talk about content marketing and how to write your book on that one. And then I'm actually coming out with a third one this fall. It's going to be called Caring for Your Aging Parents, which is going to be all about like Learn, like learning the different stages of aging and like how you can care for your parents depending on where they're at in their stage of aging and then their health and, and other, you know, details and aspects of their life. Oh, that's great. And we will have links to all of that in the show notes. Super. Awesome. So we have come to the part of the podcast that I really enjoy and it's called the lightning round. Are you ready? I am ready. Let's go. Shoot, shoot. How has your entrepreneur journey transformed you? I think the biggest thing for me personally is learning how to um, really navigate a lot of my um, 
my physical challenges and uh, with my disabilities and learning how to work around all of them. And I travel a lot too. So I don't have like a typical nine to five work week. Sometimes I work on the weekends, um, but I only work on the weekends. Like if I have, if I can't work during the week for whatever reason, like I'm traveling or something, but just learning how to be more flexible and then giving myself enough grace to be like, okay, today's not going to be a good work day because I'm not productive. So I'm going to need to make it up somewhere else. Um, and just giving myself the grace to be, to be okay with that. That's okay. definitely my biggest takeaway from my entrepreneurial journey. Yeah, great. Living life the way you should be living life, the way you're, you know, dictating your own journey. Yes. Yes. Great. What most surprised you uh, as a business owner? Probably the the fact that, like, I kept hearing people say the reason why people, well, the reason you get clients is people want to work with you, not because of your skill set. And I was always thinking, oh, it's the skill set. And how true that actually is that it's, it, I mean, yes, it is your skill set to some extent, but it's really the people who you click with. And one of the things I always tell people is if you're looking for a ghostwriter, make sure you click with their personality, because if you don't, you are going to be so angry and so upset and you're not going to have a good ghostwriting process because they're going to be your best friend for the next several months. So, <laughs> yeah. So, but like, but um, like learning that, yes, the person that clicks with your personality are the people that you're going to really attract into your clientele ring um, was probably the biggest surprise for me. Yeah. Wow. Okay, great. And what unexpected challenge have you had to overcome? Um, Probably when the pandemic hit, that was probably my biggest challenge because um, the first week in March, I lost 75% of my clients in that week. And so just doing that huge pivot from travel writing to do more content marketing um, was probably my biggest challenge that um, I had to overcome. Okay. So pivoting, a lot of people do have to pivot. Yeah. Yeah. But doing it, but doing it so suddenly and really not having, like, I mean, I had the choice to completely get out of writing, but I didn't want to. So like having that happen so suddenly and having to figure out, you know, like wh which way I'm going to go within three weeks, um, that was definitely a big challenge. Yes, sure. Okay. And what? Here's a good question for for you as a writer. What book has made a big impact on you, and who would you recommend that book to? Oh wow, there's probably several. Um, I can't think honestly. I can't think of one book in particular because, funny enough, I. I write a lot of books. I probably write more books than I read during the year. Um, but one of the, I, I love, I love sci-fi books. Um, so I always tell people, I didn't know everybody's not into sci-fi, but if you, if you get a good sci-fi book, I, I love it because it just gives me so many cool new ideas of, of different perspectives and how to look at things. But yeah, pick up a good sci-fi book and, and listen to it because usually sci-fi books always almost always have a another underlying message that they're not just specifically, you know, saying right out loud with their character development and their character interaction. So I, I love sci-fi. I'm definitely a big sci-fi fan. Okay. And I am also, we'll have to have a separate conversation see if we can recommend some books. Um, there's some great oh, authors yeah. and great books out there. Yeah. yeah, I would have to take, I would have to make a, ahead of time, make a list with authors and titles because <laughs> I know there's some I really love. I just, I'm so bad with like author names and titles. Great. Ironically enough, and I'm a ghostwriter. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What advice would you give to someone aspiring to to have a career in writing or ghostwriting? I would say, uh, number one, definitely be organized, like I talked about before. Um, number two is 
you you need to be good at networking. Like if you're not good at networking, that's a skill you're going to need to develop because networking is so essential for keeping enough people in your pipeline um, and developing those relationships to get those referrals from other clients. Um, and the third thing is just resiliency. Like with any entrepreneurial business, you need to be resilient. And if you are not a resilient person, definitely learn how to be because if you are you know, somebody who lets small things take you out, then owning your own business is definitely not a good thing for you to get into. Yes, very important, resiliency. Yes, and yes. Okay, that is, that's great. I love, love your answers to the lightning round. Thank you. Do you have any gifts for our listeners today? I do, yes. Yeah. So I have a email course, which I am going to, I'm working on creating. It's on my, it's on my content creation day checklist. <laughs> Um, and it's called How to Write Your Rough Draft in 100 Days or Less. So it's going to be an email course. It's going to be dropped to your inbox once a week, and it's a free course. And so um, that is my gift to all of your listeners, anybody who's interested in learning how to write their rough draft of their book in 100 days or less. Okay. And we'll have links to that in the show notes, of course. And we'll also have information on how to get in touch with you for folks who want more information and want to get to know Elikita and if she is a good partner for you. Awesome. Thank you, Joe. I really appreciate, I really appreciate um, you having me on your show today and, and the time we get to spend together. This was really great. Great. Thank you. You've been, it, this has been a great conversation, lots of information and um, just super. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Bye now. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Entrepreneur Journeys. Remember to subscribe so you catch all the episodes and check out the show notes for any free giveaways or gifts that were mentioned during this show. Entrepreneur Journeys is brought to you by Apexable, providing the insights, tools, and transformative structures to help you reach your business summit. I'm your show host, Joe Matz, and until next time, I hope your journey is filled with breathtaking views and successful outcomes.